0: This is In My Honest Opinion, a collection of NBR's top columnists from this week. Do you have something to add? Head over to nbr.co.nz and join the discussion.
1: Labor's winter of serious discontent and ministerial meltdowns hasn't been overlooked by the voters. Duncan Garner writes in this week's column, and Duncan, it's not looking good in the polls, is it? No,
2: it's not, and, and I think um, there have been the ministerial missteps and mishaps, and you've got this winter of you know inflation and uh, mortgage sales increasing, and just uh, just a, a general blah, you know. And and I think that's flowed through in the polls. You've now got Labor sitting at uh, probably 31. Uh, if you look at rolling polar poles, that's low, and you can't govern from 31, yeah. and Nationals probably got the five-point jump on them, but I mean, nothing's permanent, and it's, it'll shift around, but as a trend, there's been a slump Yeah.
1: I mean, Hopkins has been doing his best, where to from here in your view? Hipkins
2: has been doing his best, and he's, he's, this is not for the lack of him trying and him doing all the right things, but I think he's, um, he's struggling with his team. He hasn't got that much talent, he hasn't got that much depth. And the ones that are falling over are crucial ministers. Michael Wood, Minister of Auckland. I mean, this is about getting Auckland moving. Uh, it wasn't just a you know a sort of a bit part minister. He was a front bench player. Um, education Minister, you know, we're, Stuart Nash, you know, Senior Minister. These people, these people have fallen over at the worst possible time because it's so close to the election. People remember that stuff, you know, there's no distance in between it.
1: And you're talking about the phony war. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, it means it's a long campaign. So there's 88 days to go, as I do this interview. And so there's a campaign, then a campaign. So the real campaign is based around four or five weeks or six weeks, but not not almost 100 days. So you can't give away too much of your stuff, but you've got to be campaign fit. So they, they, they go through... Um, pretend campaigns now they do they sort of um do some sort of fitness testing and road testing to see how, how how they'll run issues and how they run people so it's a long way to the election
1: what's your policy advice to hipkins then
2: uh he he, he has to excite the the crowd with something for the future he won't get in if he's just saying banking on his past well i've done this with covid i did this with the transition with jacinda and uh, i was a safe pair of hands that's not that, that, the country's banked that. They want to know what the next three years is on offer. The National Cup will have something, although their tax cuts are mild. Oh, I think he should try and out-tax cut them. There's plenty of money in the system. Try and out-tax cut them. It's just a of priorities. The, the tax cuts have never been a priority for this Labour Party. Well, they can actually make it a priority under Hipkins because he's a different beast. Give it a go.
1: I mean, Hipkins comes across as the, you know, the boy from the hood, the, mm. you know, the nice guy sort of thing. Do you think he's got the rat cunning to, yep. to do it?
2: He, he, he was um, uh, an intern in Trevor Mallard's office. End of story. He, that guy knows how to run issues, knows how to run dirt. Um, he'll probably get someone else to do it, but he'll be in the, he'll be at the forefront of the planning. He, and he, he's he's no he's no innocent little boy from Uber you know. He's he's a player. He's been in there twenty years. Don't forget Luxon's first two MP. No never before he's the first two MP being a leader of a party. So this is gonna test him. You know, This is not the corporate world. This is um, this hard ass politics.
1: So go hard on the tax cuts then? Offer of something,
2: trying to out-tax cut them. I mean, uh, Hipkins has admitted that bracket creep has been an issue, so move the thresholds. So if he's admitting that, do it now. Signal it, try and knock out um, National's one card, which is very mild and modest tax cuts, which they won't make a huge difference to people.
1: Duncan Garner, thanks for coming in.
2: You're welcome.
0: Like what you're hearing, Join the discussion with our member subscribers at our website, nbr.co.nz. It's official.
3: Auckland is now a wah town, reckons Martin Devlin. It's the Warriors' year and league now rules over rugby. Martin, how's this happened?
4: Well, it's, uh, I think, because the Warriors are winning more than anything, Amish. I mean, people, are winners are grinners and people love a winning team. But we've just witnessed a weekend where both... Codes played at Mount Smart. The All Blacks had a bigger crowd, 31,000. The Warriors yesterday, 24,000. And look, you know, in terms of taking over Auckland, in terms of rugby, my points about the Warriors have overtaken the Blues. You know, the All Blacks are the All Blacks are the All Blacks and they're still our national team and our number one side, obviously. But this Warriors team is attracting the best crowds they've had since 1995. Every home game at Mount Smart is well over 20,000 people. And as I say, when you just, you you know, Bookkeeping one hundred and one, and write the numbers down. They must be clocking close to a million bucks of income every time that they're getting a home game. Nine home games at you know Mount Smart, you do the maths. It's pretty good money.
3: Mm. Is it just? Is it just winning though? I mean, you know, they have had seasons since ninety-five where they've been just as successful, if not more. Um, there Must be more to it than that.
4: Well, timing's everything, isn't it? And I mm. just think that this particular year, um, look, Super Rugby for the most part, and You know, I don't want to hack the competition, but I think, you know, when you do it as a job like I do, most weekends are super rugby, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we bemoan the fact that there's maybe one match worth watching out of that weekend. You know, you look at the draw and you think, oh, who's playing? Well, if two New Zealand sides aren't playing, Mm -hmm. well, you're rolling your eyes going, well, why am I watching this? You know, sure, there's a lot of interest in the Fijian and Drua and and, uh, Moana Pacifica. But in terms of unless it's the Crusaders playing the Chiefs or the Hurricanes playing, I mean most of the games you're sitting there going, oh, the Rebels are playing the who? I don't care. Yeah. And and I think that because of that, the Warriors have just you know used an opportunity, be it you know willingly, unwillingly, unknowingly, knowingly, and have seized upon it. And this particular year, because every year it's our year if you're a Warriors fan, but this particular year. You know, last year, you've got to remember the team only won six games, Hamish. This mm-hmm. year, they've won 11 already, counting that one against Cronulla on the weekend. Last year, they won two out of their last 16 games. You know, this year, they're stomping into that finals. And when you look at the draw that they've actually got over the next six games, they could, well, good Lord, do I say it out loud? They could get a top four. They could certainly look in at the moment of playing a home semi semi-finals by finishing either fifth or sixth. That's a, a remarkable turnaround. And so I think there's plenty of bandwagon jumpers, but what the hell? I don't think the Warriors... Mind a bit if you're one of the 24,000 that's paying you good money and going, well, Were you taking your daughters to one of these games?
3: I want to, that's it's it's next on the cards, yeah. Next it's next Sunday. Why? Afternoon well, game.
4: what is it about? What is it about that game that makes you want to take your kids along?
3: I think the atmosphere just looks so good on telly, it just looks Bingo. like a fun time, yeah. Bingo,
4: that's exactly it. And you can't ever accuse rugby of having that, no. you know. Again, I'm not hacking it, but. You know, tell me somebody that goes on to a Blues game and says, wow, what a fantastic atmosphere. You know, the fans are brilliant. It's, look, the Warriors are what sports teams are. If you follow a Premier League side like you do, the fan base is what attracts you there, isn't it? It's that feeling of whanau, feeling of family, feeling of belonging to a tribe. And all of you have got the one thing in common. The wor- These things have to grow organically. You can't force these upon people. You can't just say, okay, you're going to be a fan base now. This fan base has existed since '95 hardcore of perhaps eight to 10,000 that turn up to these games when they're losing. But you know, it's swelling now and people are enjoying it. And I highlight in the column a couple of different things. I went to a pub a couple of weeks ago to watch one game. I went out to that South game on that terrible night when it was the rain was coming in sideways. Um, and just the atmosphere and the feeling you get from the people that are around you going to these games is a different feeling than you get from going to a rugby match. It's more akin to what you'd expect if you're in a packed house, if there were 20,000 Phoenix fans or something. There's just something that bonds you. Mm. And it's very real, even though it's hard to describe, if you know what I mean.
3: Do the fans do they lean sort of younger, a little bit more women and things like that, do you think, for the Warriors? Or is it
4: is It's it a much different th- fan base that goes to the Warriors than went to watch the All Blacks the night before, for sure. The sure. Rara crowd, the rugby crowd's a different crowd. Mm. Um, I think the Warriors is probably it's a bit more working class, if I can say that. You know um but look it's just new zealand man it's just a slice of new zealand and that's what you're going to really enjoy about it you know there's no airs and graces no one's better than anyone else everyone's along there for the one reason and that's because they love this football team they love the way that they're playing um you can just see that the way that the players interact you know they they thoroughly appreciate the fans you know there's something very real about it and i think that's what people are attracted to you know there's an emotional connection you know i finish off the column by saying look with warriors fans if your team loses you're gutted i mean you're a united fan like me when united lose the whole of sunday sucks man yourself all <laughs> day but do you want see feel like that when the blues lose does anybody do the players they don't look to me they gave us stuff when they got absolutely walloped in the semi-final they're all flashing their instagram accounts around and life continues as normal they don't hurt but as a fan you hurt that's what's missing you can't buy this you can advertise it as much as you like and you can put up as many fancy Mark Robinson slogans I'm talking the NZR CEO around it as much as you like you can talk about Silver Lake and creative new technologies and infuse new marketing opportunities it's all just management speak bollocks mate go yep. to the Warriors game and you'll actually learn it and you'll feel it and it's real
3: top four on this see you then you're calling it
4: <laughs> the Devlin curse is not going to jinx this team So hey? I'm not saying a word
0: Martin thanks very much for your time NBR are offering a free trial to newcomers. See what all the fuss is about on our flagship website nbr.co.nz A female social liberal in a bright pink blazer is giving National Simon O'Connor a run for his money in Tamaki, Maria Slade writes in this week's Flipside. Well, Maria, does it really make any difference that Van velden that's Brooke Van velden is a young woman when sort of trying to take this seat away from National?
1: The ACT Party have made it pretty clear that they're not specifically going for the female vote in Tamaki. Uh, They believe they're, you know, classical liberal uh, party, and they believe in autonomy over your own body. So, the fact that Simon O'Connor has very um, strict anti-abortion views uh, is not something they're particularly tackling. Having said that, you know, they, they are willing to say that they've had people coming up to them. Both David Seymour and Brooke Van Velden have said to us, they've had people coming up to them and saying, look, I've got daughters. I want to get rid of this, this guy, you know. Mm. Uh, so it's definitely an issue for people and they're not stepping away from it. So it, it, it they are banking on the fact that it kind of matters to people that Simon O'Connor is this very conservative um, you know, ex-priest, mm. he voted against the end of life bill, he voted against the marriage equality bill and that you know, in this day and age perhaps some voters might start looking at him differently.
0: That sort of raises the question what sort of mood for change is there in Tamaki given that it's traditionally been a very safe uh, blue seat for the National Party?
1: Well this is the thing, it's incredibly safe for the National Party, it's, it's been been almost continuously held by National since it was established in 1946. That includes Rob Muldoon's 31-year tenure in the, in the electorate, but that also means that National's kind of taken it for granted a bit mm. in Act's view and they're not helped by the fact that of course uh, national supporters really only need Act to win Epsom in order for them to be in Parliament and therefore a potential coalition partner and of course David Seymour um, has fairly safely got Epsom so they don't need them to win Tamaki and uh, traditionally they've always said look give your electorate vote to the National Party so you know for the greater cause sort of thing. This time they're saying no we're going for direct democracy here and we want another seat and we want tamaki so they're banking on the fact that people feel like they haven't had a lot of choice up till now Mm -hmm. and perhaps it's time for a change
0: What are some of the other key platforms to what ACT is really sort of campaigning on in this electorate? Are there any particular issues or policies that ACT has that it thinks will really resonate with the people of Tamaki?
1: Well, there is one issue in particular that may resonate, and that is the housing intensification legislation that the government brought in in a bipartisan deal with National, actually, in 2021. Mm. National's now backed away from that, but ACT were the only party that opposed it at the time. And so uh, they're saying that a lot of the people of Tamaki who are seeing these sort of you know, townhouse developments going up next door may look to them uh, for a different view on how this might be done. The fact that National's now backed away from it does sort of, you know, uh, give Act a bit less of an edge. But then, of course, we have had the January and February, you know, extreme weather in Auckland, which has exposed a lot of weaknesses in the infrastructure, and a lot of people in Auckland, not just in Tamaki, are going, look, how on earth could we withstand all this housing intensification that the government seems to want under the existing roles. So, you know, that gives Act an opportunity, and one of their policies is a GST return bill, Mm -hmm. whereby the councils would be given back half the GST that is earned on housing construction to invest in infrastructure. So, look, that's another point of difference that they're going to be pushing.
0: Given all this, what do you think Brooke Van Velden's chances actually are? Because Simon O'Connor, look, he's regarded as one of the most conservative MPs in Parliament. This is an electorate that you mention in your in your column as you know, with a very high proportion of sort of Christian voters. Now, do you do you think she can take the seat away from National?
1: In all reality, probably not. Simon O'Connor's got a majority of 8,000, albeit that being much reduced on uh, the uh, election prior to that. But of course, um, there was a, a huge wave towards Labour in, in 2020. Uh, I don't know if she would win, but I do think she could kick some fairly serious holes in that majority. I do think that um, Tamaki is a very well educated electorate, mm-hmm. extremely high proportion of people who have bachelor's degrees and higher. And I can't believe Believe that those people aren't looking at what's happening overseas in places like the US in the post Roe versus Wade environment where even access to services such as miscarriage care mm. is now under jeopardy because of the huge um, healthcare schmozzle that's been created by overturning that bill. I can't believe that there aren't people in that electorate who aren't thinking we don't want to go backwards we want to go forwards and perhaps somebody like brooke van velden might be the person
0: so she doesn't succeed this year do you think maybe in 3 years time she may be in a much sort of stronger platform to really go after that seat well, that's quite right. possibly
1: you know that's right exactly they could give it another go this could be a, considered a stepping stone so yeah no i think it's a really interesting development in new zealand politics actually that electorate
0: all right would be absolutely one to watch thank you thank you and that's been this week's in my honest opinion To get your opinions heard, head on over to nbr.co.nz.